Hello, Rod Murray here. Just before we get underway with episode 85, I have a special and rather exciting announcement to make about a new direction for State of the Game. Not only are we going to be getting on a more regular recording schedule, which I'm sure will make many of you happy, but we are also delving into the world of golf course architecture tours combined with live podcast recording. The concept is pretty simple. A couple of days of golf at a world-class course, including playing several holes with Mike Clayton, followed by a live and interactive discussion about all things golf and course design. Now, the most exciting part of all of this is that we have set our first destination and date, and it is, drumroll please, Barnboogle Dunes. Yes, we will be heading to one of the world's most highly regarded designs of this century from May 3 to 5, 2019, and you can consider this your official invite to come along for the ride. All the details of this trip are on the State of the Game website. That's at stateofthegame.fireside.fm and just click the GCA Tours tab in the top menu. I'll also include a link in the show notes so that you can head straight to that page. There's an email link there so you can register your interest for what I think will be a fabulous couple of days that, let's be honest, will be the envy of any true golf nerd that doesn't happen to make it. That's May 3 to 5, 2019. Bumboogle Dunes and Mike Clayton. What more could you ask for? Not much, I don't think. On to episode 85. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 85 of State of the Game, the golf podcast that talks about stuff that matters. My name's Rod Murray, and what matters on this episode is the rules of the game, or more specifically, the rules that are about to change about the game. As we record today, there are just 43 days to go before the new modernised rules of golf come into effect, and while most of you listening would have at least heard there are changes on the way, I wonder how many of us fully studied what they are and the impact they might have. have. Change has historically not been the forte of golfers, so today we'll be joined by the USGA's Joe Foley to help brush up on just what will happen on January 1 and why. Before we meet Joe, however, let me bring in my co-hosts for the day from the US, blogger, author, critic and course architect, Jeff Shackleford. I'm, Jeff, I'm not sure how much you golf you even play these days, though I'm sure your the new rules will have your full attention because the televised game is preparing to implement them, and that will no doubt come with some fun. Well, I played a leisurely uh, round yesterday, actually, and uh, some some things came up already related to to the new rules. So um, I think it'll be uh, an enjoyable chat and a much needed one because it's uh, right around the corner, and I, I'm not sure how many people are prepared for this. So I'm really uh, looking forward to trying to. Uh, help get that conversation started for people and uh, it's really nice that Joe's joining us. It is indeed. I've got my hand up as one of those who doesn't pretend that they're across all of it. So this is going to be terrific. From here in Australia, former touring professional turned architect and commentator on the game, Mike Clayton. Clayton, everybody in the world has seen your most famous rules tangle, but I'm sure as someone who's played for a living, there's been many more than one occasion when you thought the game's regulations might be improved. What's your relationship been with the rules over the years? And are you ready for the new ones? I don't care about the rules, so I, don't, I just play golf um, without counting. So uh, the, the rule I hated the most, and I reckon I got penalised 20 times for it, was when the ball moved on the green. And that just drove me insane because I never caused it to move. It moved because the wind blew it or because it bumped off a little whatever. But 
you were addressed the ball and, and of course I would many a few times I walked up to a short part it moved and I tapped it in of course that was a two shot power because he didn't put it back so <laughs> it just drove me completely mad that rule um, Rod Pampling had a good point last week at the Australian Open he was talking about the PGA Tour specifically specifically but because this is the 219 season in 2018 he thought they should have brought the rules in for the first event of the PGA Tour season, which I thought was an interesting. It is an interesting take that a PGA point, Tour player would think that the PGA Tour comes first. We might deal with that and some others as we go through. Let's bring in the USGA's Joe Foley now. Joe is currently the manager of Rules Outreach and Programming, joined the USGA Rules team in June of 2014. In addition to working to build engagement and education of the rules at all levels of the game, Joe serves as the project manager for the Rules Modernization Initiative. Prior to the USGA, he worked at Explore Schools, a charter school network in New York, and earlier earlier in his career he conducted junior golf tournaments at the Metropolitan PGA section Joe graduated from Boston College in 2010 with a degree in management and Joe all of those skills will be tested as we grill you today welcome and a very genuine thanks for taking some time to chat Hi, gentlemen. Looking forward to our chat. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of important, isn't it, Joe? I didn't kind of realize. I did the the you know calculation of time between two dates. So forty three days until we're all playing under the new rules. Is golf ready? Well, we'll see. We're we're working hard to get everyone ready. Um, the education program is is in full swing, and really, the the difficulty we have here is that we we obviously have casual and recreational players, avid players that that need to learn the new rules, but um, there's different, you know, organizations across the industry that, that need to get uh, ready for specific competitions. Um, so it's our, it's our goal to really get, get the word out to the more broad, um, you know, just regular golfer, but also get, get um, PGA tour officials, LPGA tour officials, champions tour, web.com, European tour folks ready um, for those, those first events that take place in early January. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's a big process. We're doing our best to, to get everyone ready. I, I suppose what springs to mind for me, Joe, we'll come to Clates's specific complaints uh, shortly and deal with those and the notion of the PGA Tour having the rules mm-hmm. in place before the rest of the world. But all of those officials you're talking about, of course, have been operating for decades on habit. There's going to be some hard habits to break, I would imagine. With They'll be very aware, no doubt, of the new rules, but uh, you can't help but think there's going to be a stumble at some point, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, for us rules nerds, we, we do sort of use shortcuts and, and numbers to, to really remember and recall where we find a lot of this stuff in the book and some of the hardest, you know, learnings that have taken, taken place, especially with the officials and administrators is, is exactly that, you know, the, the numbers are completely different and finding answers in the rule book uh, is, is harder. And for folks who are so used to doing it or even finding, you know, certain answers on certain pages, um, it, it's, it's a lot of unlearning and then relearning. So, um, the, the good thing is that though all of those folks have had a high incentive to learn the new rules, um, they, they've been digging in for, for months already, even though, you know, some, some of the, um, you know, major tours and, and even just golfers across the game aren't really turning their attention until, until now th- those folks have, have been digging in for months. So we're, we're. We're doing our best to get those guys prepared uh, so we're ready here in, in six weeks' time. And just quickly to answer Rod Pampling's question, why isn't the PGA Tour playing under the 2019 rules already since it's their 2019 season? Yeah, it, it's a good question. I mean, we, we've, we've, we've basically promised to the game that these would be ready to be implemented um, on January 1st. And no different than really any other rules change year. We, we've had wraparound seasons that have gone from one set of rules 
you know, in the early part of the, the season, if it's in the fall and then changed to a new set of rules uh, the following year, it happens with, with some of our qualifiers. You have um, the four ball championship where there's qualifiers going on right now. And they're going to be playing under the new rules when they actually play in the final championship for those that qualify just the nature of the beast, the way that the calendar, um, you know, turns over to the, the, the first of the year is when those new rules take effect. We really need these last few weeks to get everyone ready. So um, this idea that we could have kind of rushed them to, to get to get ready and be in use for, for the PGA Tour season probably would have been a little bit bold for us to do. I wonder why the PGA Tour players might think they should get a special start. Anyway, I mean, you've got to start at some point. It doesn't matter what, what date you pick to start, does it, Joe? Yeah. Somebody's going to be crossing over between a qualifier and an event or whatever it might be. You've got to have a date to start. So it just seems to make exactly. so much sense. Before we come to some of the new rules and the ones in particular that we should be getting ready for, what do you feel is the relationship between golfers and the rules? It feels very prickly to me most of the time because most golfers, both professional and amateur, feel like at some point the rules are against them. Well, look, I think it's, a, it's an important point you're making, and I think that's really one of the impetuses for, for this entire initiative. We, we recognized um, in, you know, 2012, 2013 timeframe that, you know, while some understood the rules, the, the rules were just, uh, you know, almost impenetrable, just, just too complex and, and hard to understand for, for people all, all, all across the game. Um, so one of the major initiatives, one of the major reasons we, we started this to begin with was to make them easier to, to understand and apply for, for golfers at all levels. Um, what's interesting about the rules is that, uh, you know, the rules of golf do ha- have a, an interesting relationship with those who play the game different than other sports. It's a self-regulating game, right? So we, we want people across the entire game to feel comfortable with the rules, be able to apply them, um, and not feel like they are impenetrable. Um, this is not a sport where you just can look to the official uh, whenever you're playing and say, what's the answer? I mean, there's many times where we're having to, to kind of do this, do this on our own out on the golf course. So given the unique relationship that, that all golfers have with, with the rules of golf and the fact that they were just too complex, we, we knew that it would be a big project, but we knew it had to happen. Um, and that's really why it all got started about six or seven years ago. Indeed. Clates, is that still true, do you reckon, in professional golf? It feels to me like we do just call for the official now in professional golf. Yeah, because too many guys got penalised for silly things. I remember Mm. Greg Turner hitting his ball onto a couple of small cables at Sunningdale one year in the European Open. And and he, he moved the cables and placed the ball. But he should have dropped it because the as small as the cables were, the ball wasn't touching the ground. And he realised after he'd signed his card, which was another stupid rule, you know, because he, so he's now signed an incorrect So he got disqualified. I mean, try and give him a two-shot penalty, but don't DQ him. So there were so many stupid instances like that that needed to be cleaned up. Which is a, So I'm assuming, Joe, they've cleaned up. Well, they've already done that, haven't they? If you sign an incorrect card, you just get two shots, you don't get DQ'd. Yeah, and actually, we we have a local rule now in effect that waives that two shot penalty, and, and next year it'll just be part of the rules. So, so no local rule anymore. Basically, if you didn't know you committed a penalty, we'll apply it if we find out afterwards. But you're not going to be dinged an extra. Okay. Okay. So the, for, so, for, so the Lexi Thompson thing would have been two, not four. Correct. Yep. Even though arguably she did know she had incurred a penalty. Anyway, let's not go there. Let's not put let's Joe not on the spot there. with that particular yeah, uh, not, thing. Let's not uh, go there. Okay. Before I come back to Joe, Shaq, 
how many people I, I feel like the culture in America is different but I feel like the breaching of the rules is probably the same here in Australia I reckon on average in a 50 player field here at uh, at our weekly comp 35 players would breach the rules without knowing it do you reckon that'd be about right in America too Shaq how much reverence is there for the rules in recreational golf do you think leaving pro golf aside for the moment I guess it depends on what you mean by by breach. Uh, I, I think that these changes seek to uh, just kind of um, dull some of those supposed uh, breaches that really weren't uh, that extreme and that uh, important in the big scheme of things. At least that's how I, I read a lot of them. Um, some seem to be, and Joe can ex- tell us more, but some seem very pace of play related. Um, and so I, I think that uh, people still take the rules very seriously here. And I think that the best example of that is that the manufacturers here it, it refuse to make clubs that are non-conforming mm. um, and that, that supposedly would maybe uh, allow people to uh, improve their games or play better. And so that refusal to ever be seen as not conforming to the rules of golf, I think, speaks volumes that, that uh, even with all the, the hits the rules have taken in recent years with with incidents of, that uh, maybe looked silly or were confusing um, that that there is still an underlying faith in in the rules of golf and and I, and I hope that continues with the new rules I just uh, I'm concerned that it's the rollout is is going to be um, uh, slow I just, I mean just just again playing golf yesterday I uh, it's amazing. One of the golfers had no idea about some of the things that are coming. Just, just no clue. And um, so, I think that that uh, getting the word out is going to be going to be key. Key. Um, Jeff makes a good point there, doesn't he, Joe? How commonplace do you think his experience yesterday? I'll be. I've kind of got a bit of a handle. My thinking is, sometime in December, I'll go on the web and find out what all the new rules are, and I'll learn them almost overnight. That, of course, isn't going to happen properly, is it, Joe? How widespread do you think that issue is of people who? I've heard that the rules are changing, but got no idea what the changes are. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I think I think the interesting part is of all, of all of this is that you know you do have folks who who are going to need to know the new rules by the time they tee up next year. Those particularly playing in competition, but each each golfer kind of has a different bit of a different relationship with the rules um, than than the person next to them. I mean, if you think about casual players who tee up on. Uh, you know, casual recreational golfers who teed up on a Saturday morning with their, their buddies. Um, there's a lot of folks today that, are, that aren't actually playing by the rules um, when they play in their, in their match. And not that we, we would want that to be the case, but you just have, you're going to have a varying degree. Uh, you're going to have varying degrees of, of interest and, and really need to, to learn the new rules. Those who, who are going to have to learn them will have resources for them. But I think Jeff brings up a good point. It's going to take some time, mm-hmm. three, six, nine months before, collectively we as a game are all kind of you know in the know about about everything that's changed and a lot of it will come up um through you know those those mainstream um high profile tournaments um where where ruling will take place and and that's frankly how a lot of this education will take place Mm. it becomes very important doesn't it people will see on tv that you know billy horshaw got this ruling and that didn't look like what the rules used to look like and that might prompt them to go and then find Mm. out and the commentators you would imagine have you spoken at all with the tv networks about commentary and and uh during tournaments and and sort of talking about the new rules and what they are i'm going to get you to explain what the the major changes are that people need to be aware of shortly but have you spoken to the tv networks at all about that kind of thing 
Yeah, that's part of our um, part of our communication plan here over the next few weeks. We're actually going to be at uh, the USJ staff is going to be at uh, each one of the the um, first five six weeks um, of events in January February. Um, PGA Tour, LPGA Tour, Champions Tour, Web.com, um, and so we'll have a, we'll have a USJ staff member on site, essentially serving on on the committee with with you know with officials on on staff at the at professional tours. Uh, and there, our hope is to again liaise with the the TV announcers. Uh, I don't think we'll be jumping on the networks and and actually chiming in on on things that are going on, but we'll be able to provide information to them, mm-hmm. and then hopefully have a couple of educational sessions with those guys. Um, and, and gals uh, as they get ready to call the action um, for the first time under the new rules. Yeah, watching it play out on TV. This is this is the new rule, folks. This is what's happened here, and this is what he's how he's going to proceed under the new rules. That might be as powerful as education gets, doesn't it? Just before we come to the main ones, Clates, I suppose, here in Australia, we've talked about this before, there is an obsession with competition golf, isn't there? Uh, it, it, every day yeah. of the week, just about every club in Australia has some form of competition, and 99% of golfers who are club members play the bulk of their golf under competition so it's kind of imperative that australians get up to speed on this pretty quickly isn't it because january 1 most people's first hit in 2019 is going to be a proper competition at my own club i feel like there's potential for chaos there's a lack of understanding of the rules when we handed out the little sheets with the the 10 most obvious changes people started looking and going oh well that's stupid it's well the feedback period's over fellas you had Six months to, to have you say that. What do you reckon is going to happen here in Australia, Clates? It feels like we might have an interesting month in January and perhaps February, do you reckon? Well, yeah, I mean, the world will go on and the the, the, the best way for everyone to learn a rule is to break, break it. it and find <laughs> out that you broke it. You don't ever forget it again. So, um, look, it'll be fine. I mean, the one that will be... I'm not sure. Perhaps, Joe, do you agree the one that will affect people the most is putting with the flagon because that's going to, without caddies, that'll change the nature of long putts mm-hmm. and people not, uh, playing partners not having to bother about holding the flag. And So that'll be the first one they'll come across because that's, you know, that's going to happen on the first day that we play mm-hmm. that someone's going to putt with the flag and his mate's going to say, what are you doing? <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Joe, Joe, talk us through this sort of five. In, yes, jump in. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, I think it's an interesting thing to hit on here that, you know, we're going to turn the page and, and January 1st where it, it's going to be, you know, a, a new a new age for the game. I think the, 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 the interesting point about this, though, is, is the fact that if you look at the changes, you're, you're, there's not many things that are going to be um, changes that if you continue to do today, you're going to have a lot of trouble. Um, if you continue to act the way you do on the golf course or do certain things in a certain way that you're going to have have trouble out there. My point is, is that, um, you know, what, what the new rules do is they give, give players a lot more sort of rights and, and they do eliminate a lot of penalties. So for example, if, you know, if you don't know that the flag stick, uh, is something that you can now leave in, you know, if, if you continue to take it out, that's, that's not going to be a problem, a problem, right? Um, you know, we can talk about a few more as we get uh, further into the conversation, but uh, again, not a lot of these changes are, are things that if you continue to do today and continue to play today, that you're going to be in a lot of trouble um, 
uh, you know, by, by doing something, you know, the way you've always done it. You're not going to incur a penalty for doing something you've always done. It's just you're entitled to do Correct. something that maybe you're not going to keep doing. What are the main ones, Joe? What were the most – because there was a lengthy feedback period, obviously, for people to have their say about what they thought the new rules should look like. What were the sort of the most contentious ones there or the, or the ones that people commented about the most? And what are the, the ones that people really do need – as you say, leaving the flag in, well, if people didn't know about that, there's not going to be any impact if they take it out. But there are some, aren't there, that have somewhat changed penalty areas and uh, how and where you drop and some of those sorts of things. What are the main ones the USGA is sort of trying to focus on for for day-to-day recreational players in particular to be aware of? You hit on one. I think the, the dropping and relief procedure is probably the biggest one um, where, you know, if you don't know how it's going to work, uh, you could run into some issues. So we're, we're focused a lot on that one um, and, and particularly the change around dropping from, from knee height. So current rule is you got to drop from shoulder height. We had a proposed change that, um, you know, gave players the option to really drop from, from any height. Um, but this one was a, a particular rule we got a lot of feedback on. Um, folks were a little bit confused about how that would work from any height. Well, if you're dropping from an inch above the ground, is that really dropping? Uh, if you're seeing your playing competitor from far away, dropping from, from just an inch from the ground, are, are you sure if he's placing or if he's, he's actually dropping? Um, there were some officials who gave us some feedback about how moving the standard away from a, a standard height w- would make things actually a little bit more complex and confusing. So um, we, we didn't go with the proposed change. We, we instead went with the, the drop from knee height. Um, and then now you're going to have a, a relief area that's specified that you have to get that ball to drop into. Um, so instead of, you know, today where, you know, there's all these different you know, circumstances where you would be required to redrop if your ball rolls closer to the hole, if it rolls more than two club lengths, rolls into a hazard. Um, now in the, in the new rules, it's going to be pretty simple in that you drop from knee height, you have the standard relief area, either, you know, built by the one club length or two club length, depending on what you're taking relief from. And, and you got get you got to get that ball to come to rest in that area. Um, if it if it doesn't, you drop again, and then if it doesn't, you place and, and you move on. So mm-hmm. it's probably the one that we we need to talk about the most, um, the one that people are going to probably use the most. Um, and uh, you know, happy to clarify any anything else on that change, but but probably the biggest one uh, in terms of what we got and uh, on feedback, and then ultimately where we where we went to with the, with the final change. Why didn't we just go to placing? Joe, why couldn't we have just in all situations, instead of dropping, just placed the ball? Mm-hmm. Why not? So, good question. And, and actually, that was on the table, just like uh, uh, everything uh, was on the table w- with this process. We, we considered that. Um, th- there's a large part of, of the sort of committee and then fo- folks who were involved in the rules change process who, who wanted to make sure that the, the, the randomness of the drop was preserved. So if you, you know, if you uh, were able to just place the, the ball after you were taking relief from, from a, a panel area or, or uh, a cart pass, you, you know, when you place, you now can sort of place it in the lot you would like. How can we preserve that, that randomness of, of an actual drop over place? That, that was a, a concept that sort of won out uh, throughout the process, and that's why we, we, we couldn't get to placing. Who knows where we go down the road, um, but that's, that's where we're at right now. Would the guy be worse? Rod. Yeah, sorry. Oh, just just uh, anecdotally, yesterday when we were playing, one of the people in the group uh, was explaining to the person who had no clue about any of the rules changes that next year you'll be able to drop just just uh, from a couple inches above where you <laughs> where you drop. And I I said actually, um, 
it's been modified. Uh, I, 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 yeah, so it would be interesting to see how many people heard about the initial changes and then these modifications mm. will we'll throw them off, too. Uh, it, uh, but that's you know a minor problem to have. At least the person was somewhat aware of, uh, of the shift. At least I knew it was going um, to change. I think it's, it's a, a good it's a good point though, because, you know, that's one of the challenges with providing a feedback period, right? We released all these documents to the world and said, <laughs> yeah. you know, chime in, but you know, people are still dating back to that one time they were engaged in this process and haven't, haven't reengaged. It's, it could be a problem. Yeah. yeah. It, it, indeed. It, it's funny, isn't it, Joe? I think for a lot of people, the rules of golf uh, feel like mathematics for those of us who are hopeless at it. It's just this big lump that you couldn't possibly pull apart and figure out if you tried. The rules of golf, and they kind of – they don't – you don't want people to have that relationship with the rules, do you? I mean, golf's better when people understand the rules and know that the rules, for the most part, are helpful. If you understand and know the rules, the game is better for the player. Yeah? Yeah, completely agree. And one of the other elements of this project has been not only rewriting the rules uh, to make them a little bit more simpler to read uh, and work through, and then some of the outcomes a little bit better for the player. Um, one of the one of the big parts of the project has been to to modernize the way we actually deliver the rules. Um, so, uh, again, partly in the way we write them, can we write them a little bit more in language that's a little bit more you know easily digestible and accessible, and not uh, not you know in that lawyerly type speak legal legalese. You know how can we write them a little bit, uh, a little bit more cleaner and, and easy to understand for the golfer? But then, you know, how can we also deliver the content in a way that's, um, you know, modernized? So um, whether it be the enhanced app that we we released in September, um, that is, you know, very focused more on the kind of the visual and video content, enhanced search capabilities to get your answer a little bit quicker. Um, we've inserted kind of diagrams and images to the rules book, uh, for, really for the first time. Um, they were there in spots before, but now we have you know over we have several dozen images in there. So I think you're right. It's it's you know it's not just about how you can write them to make them um, you know better for the golfer, but can you can you give them to the golfer in, a, in an in easier easier way to digest? And the last thing I'll mention on this is that we now have a a player's edition of the rules of golf for the first time. Um, so it's going to be you know it's it's out it's published it's publicized um, and and been published. It's basically the opportunity for, for a golfer to read the book and, and interact with the rules where it's, it's speaking directly to you, the golfer, and what, what's going to most impact you, the player out there. Um, so, you know, a lot of the, you know, complex procedures that only an official would really need to know, um, that's actually saved for the full rule book. We wouldn't recommend golfers go out and get that full rule book. We would recommend they get the player's edition, um, which is it's, it's an abridged version, and it's just easier to read and, and work with. And put it in your bag, people, for God's sake. Your bag's got lots well, of pockets no. in the modern era. Put it in your bag. Come it's on, not... <laughs> Rod. Download it to your phone. Download I, it I to your started, phone, yes. That's <laughs> As true. Joe was speaking, I started downloading the uh, the new one. I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> well, this, of course, I, I want to ask Clates about this, but first, Joe, explain to us. So as I understand it, you, you can download the rules app to your phone now and use that during a competition. You can pull out your phone if you've got a rules question or you're not sure about how to proceed for it, and have a look on the app at how to proceed that that'll be quite legal in competition is that right so on my saturday morning comp i can i can check a ruling on my phone totally yeah, yeah we would encourage it and, and i think it'd be quicker to get there uh, instead of flipping through the pages as jeff jeff was saying earlier a lot of our officials actually have have migrated to, to using the uh, 
the, the, the app instead of, instead of the, the book out there, which could look a little funny in competition if, if an official was on his yeah. phone looking for an answer. <laughs> on the t- it's right but, on TV. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's supposed to be giving a ruling. And look at him. He's, he's there looking at Twitter. What's he doing? He should be, yeah. he should be giving a ruling. <laughs> what, what do you reckon about that, Clades? I, I, I suppose I outlined it perfectly there, didn't I? I'm used to having a rules book in my bag. There's a pocket where, where it sits. That's kind of awesome. What do you reckon about going to the phone, Clades? People pulling out their phones in the middle of a round at Metro on a Saturday morning to see where they should be dropping after hitting into, I think it's a penalty area, isn't it, Joe? There's no more hazards. Penalty areas. No more hazards. No more hazards, yeah. What do you reckon, Clates, standing on the edge of a penalty area, seeing how you should proceed on your phone? Yeah, well, they'll, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, they'll, they'll figure it out. I mean, um, I, most guys I play with are so old, they don't have those things on their phone, but... <laughs> We're of that generation, Clates. They don't even understand the phone, let alone yeah. that. No, look, it'll be fine. It'll, it'll, it'll all work out. Everyone will figure it out. Um... When do we want to talk about backstopping? Do we want to throw that in? There? Well, we no, don't go there yet. Not, Not yet. Let, okay. Let, right. let, let, yeah. That's fine. I just you, I don't, down. I, at I, some I'd point. I'd actually like yeah. to ask Joe before we, we ta- tackle a few specifics. Um, mm-hmm. So you've been, you've been rolling this out with rules officials. I'm curious what uh, you have what if you can summarize things that you uh, have sensed that they are uh, most pleased about in making um, their job and 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 just the 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 impression of the rules better, and then also on the on the uh, the flip side, what what things have you been getting from them where they're they're raising a red flag saying uh, I think we're gonna have to watch this. This could be something to uh, that, that that could cause problems or cause headaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the first, the first question, I think rules officials are appreciative of the fact that uh, a lot of, a lot of rules in the past were actually not in the rule book. They were hidden in the decisions book, which was sort of that, that bigger book that was uh, even more impenetrable. It was just, it was 1400 decisions in there, um, you know, over 500 pages. Um, it, it actually w- was difficult for officials in the past because if they didn't have the answer or they couldn't find the answer in the rule book, they'd have to go to that bigger book. What we've done is we've taken um, as much of those sort of hidden rules out of the decisions book and put them into the rules of golf, which you know does pr- present a little bit of difficulty because now in, in many spots you have to actually have lengthier uh, descriptions to, to make sure that the, the, the full rule when you include that decision is in, is in the rule now. But um, I think officials have been appreciative of the fact that they don't have to be digging around for answers. Once they get used to the rule book, most of what they need is going to be in that uh, in that one rule book. Um, mm. We'll also have this official guide, which is going to be a larger book. It's going to contain sort of guidance for committees in how to conduct the championship or tournament. Um, it's going to provide some guidance on some rules that are a little bit more difficult to work through. Um, but again, it's going to be more guidance based and it's not going to be where you would need to go to find an answer. Uh, you can, you can likely find all those answers in the rule book uh, itself. Um, on your second question, Jeff, I think the, uh, I think, I think the area where, um, you know, committees and, and officials are, are asking a lot of questions is, is around sort of course marking. I think, um, we've, maybe changed our philosophical approach in the past. We've said, you know, this is what a water hazard is, and this is what not a water hazard. This, this is what a water hazard is not. And you, you need to kind of file, uh, follow these strict 
guidelines in order to, you know, in order to be really conducting the championship in the right way. Um, what we're doing in the new rules, the, the philosophy shift is that we're really putting a lot of that back on the committees to make these decisions. Um, you know, the, the committee can really have the full discretion to mark, you know, areas as penalty areas, as we're now calling them down the road. Um, and we're not going to give you a lot of guidance. Like if you think an area should be um, marked as a penalty area because you want to give players an extra option to drop up there if they lose their ball and not have to go all the way back to the tee, then 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 go right ahead. You know, feel free to mark that area as a penalty area. Um, but that's that's a new approach because in the past we've given very clear answers to committees, and so now they're like, wait, you're not going to give us that answer? Well, what do we do? We're we're basically saying you make the decision yourself. You you know your course, you know your players, you know your competition better than better than we do. Feel free and empowered to to make that decision on your own. So there's a little bit of a, a, a push and pull there of, of us giving them a little bit more autonomy, um, but then not you know may, maybe being comfortable with that autonomy quite yet. Interesting, yeah, because mm. because I, I think a lot of courses are over marked and and officials tend to love to get excited with their 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 paint. Yeah. So that'll be interesting, especially here in Southern California where we don't have a lot of running water. <laughs> and people like to mark things up where they uh, imagine that water could run in a three-inch rain, and therefore it's a hazard. So that'll be uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. A bit like firefighters, Jeff. It, you become a firefighter because you want to fight <laughs> fires. Now, when there's no fires, that's a good thing. But it's disappointing if you're a firefighter. You see, so yeah. any opportunity to get the truck out uh, is one that's grabbed with both hands. Before we go any further, Joe, run us through perhaps the big three or five or whatever the ones you think are need to be at the forefront of people's minds as January approaches if they're going to play golf and then eventually we will allow you to be the lion in the den of christians and set clayton loose on you on backstopping so prepare for that in the back of your mind while you're talking about but what are the ones people are going to need to be upfront, really aware of the the, the sort of the, the main changes the the big three or five or whatever it might be yeah for the for the common golfer i would say dropping and relief procedures is is, is crucial we talked talked about that a little bit earlier um i would say the flagstick change is probably going to be the most visible one where you know, you're going to see day in, day out, people now putting with the flagstick in. It'll be something that, you know, you will notice, of course, right away. Um, so now you'll have the option to putt with that flagstick in from from the putting green, and you won't have to um, pull it for fear of incurring a penalty if you strike it while you've made a stroke from the from the green. Um, I, I would say a couple other pace of play changes that are, are, are good ones, I think, for the game. The, um, the, the search time from five minutes to three minutes, uh, so no longer are you able to search for a ball for five minutes. It's it's just a three-minute search time. I don't think it'll be maybe a um, you know tangible or material difference in, in making a round much shorter. But, um, look, the, the majority of golf balls are found within those three minutes. Um, that extra two minutes for someone to search uh, is just really not, not something that we, we are interested in leaving in the rules. So we've shortened that up a little bit um, to three-minute search. Um, and then I would say, just generally speaking, I think Jeff touched on it earlier, uh, there's a lot of, you know, uh, elimination of sort of those unnecessary penalties that, um, you know, you, you, you would, you'd get in the past or even now today that, that wouldn't really create any sort of advantage for you. Um, whether it be that ball that's on the putting green and it's, uh, it's moving, um, and, and you've incurred a penalty in the past. Now we have a local rule that has prohibited that penalty as, has removed that penalty, um, you know, over the last few years here, but that'll be in the rule rules rules now so we aren't going to be worried about um you know using a local rule to have that in place um moving loose impediments or grounding your club in a, in a hazard which will now be a penalty area i uh, used to incur a penalty for that um but that'll no longer be in the rules uh, moving your ball during search right there's 
there's always this, this thought when you were searching for your own ball that you need to be careful around your ball um, because if you moved it, then you would incur a penalty. Um, you know, wh- why would we do that to a player? We want that player to find the ball uh, as soon as he or she can. So let's let him look for the ball. And if he moves it by accident, then, you know, we're not going to, you know, apply a penalty in that case. So I would say, broadly speaking, there's, there's just been a lot of um, kind of removal of those 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 penalties that that really didn't create an advantage for for a player before. Why, why have them in the rules? And how are bunkers well, dealt with now? They used to be hazards. No, sorry, Jeff. They, they were hazards. Is a bunker now separate to a penalty area? Yeah. So we don't have this umbrella term hazards anymore. Mm-hmm. We have penalty areas, mm-hmm. um, which are kind of similar to the way water hazards were marked in the past. But bunkers are separate. Um, so what 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 you'll do in a bunker is you'll have the ability to move loose impediments. Um, you still won't be able to ground your club, you know, near your ball or in taking a practice swing. Um, we, we're not concerned with you grounding the club in, you know, sort of by accident or in another part of the bunker. Uh, we've taken this, you know, this broad prohibition from, from you grounding the club, you know, anywhere in the bunker and you're going to incur a penalty. We've taken that out of the rules. We've basically only said, just don't ground your club you know, near your ball or in the backswing of your stroke or to take a practice swing. Otherwise, you're, you're fine to, to ground your club in a bunker. Um, and we've, we're letting you, again, move those loose impediments. So similar changes to bunkers um, as a po- in line with penalty areas, but uh, um, they are sort of different um, or going to be considered different going forward, not under that umbrella term of hazard anymore. So, Joe, the, the, sorry, the Anna Nordquist US Open thing is now no penalty. Is that right? Well, I mean, there was a couple things involved in that case um, because she, you know, she, she grounded her club in that case and um, didn't know she had. So, uh, you know, in the future, if you ground your club in the backswing of your stroke, you're, you're going to have a problem that you're still going to incur a penalty. In that specific instance, though, if you didn't know you grounded your club, you couldn't couldn't see that see it with your naked eye, uh, then then you'd be off off the hook in that case. So that's kind of a TV thing, really, isn't it? It's the high definition. It's yeah. for, that's for professionals. I mean, you know, she, she could not legitimately Correct. have yeah. known that that had happened. Then you see it on TV, and then you feel like, well, should she be penalised if you can't see it? So that's a – professional golf's an awkward one, isn't it, Joe? The, the, the introduction of television is probably the thing that's made the rules the messiest in that sense. You can see things on TV, particularly in the last 10 years with high definition and those things and some of the incredible slow motion stuff we see now really brings to light some things that you wouldn't have been aware of otherwise, haven't they? You've been caught off guard a couple of times, uh, and understandably so with a few of those, haven't they, the USGA? It, totally. Uh, it's a fair point. And what what we've done with the RNA, our partners, we, we've sort of changed the way that the rules are applied in those cases where if you've used your reasonable judgment um, in, in using a procedure or, you know, just playing playing the game, you've used your reasonable judgment in replacing your ball, um, all these little things that could get picked up by a TV uh, camera, if you've, if you've done that on the golf course uh, and we later find out that you incurred the penalty, well, you know, we're not going to apply the penalty. Right. Or, again, if there's something that you've done on the golf course that you with your own eye couldn't have seen uh, in, that, in that instance, then, then again, we're, we're, we're going to, um, you know, absolve you from, from incurring a penalty in that case. Before we move on to some, of, some other uh, stuff. Oh, sorry, can Jeff. I, can I ask a question yes. before we yeah. – Joe, has there um, – have there been competitions played under the new rules? Uh, have you witnessed mm. them, and 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 what what was uh, what did you see? Good question, Shaq. Mm. So during the feedback period, we had um, 
several test events. We, we worked with our um, state and regional golf associations across the country. Uh, I believe the, the RNA did the same with, with their national federations. Um, they weren't, you know, formally test events because at the time we were really just trying to f- figure out how those rules would, would work uh, in competition. So we didn't sort of count right. scores and co- collect, collect data as it, as it relates to whether or not scores changed or, or because frankly, we were just still trying to figure out exactly how they, how they would be applied and how golfers would use them. Um, that was primarily for feedback. So since that period, we haven't conducted any formal test events in part because we don't want to create sort of confusion around, around this concept that the rules are, are, are already kind of in play. So um, we've all tried out the rules a lot. Uh, a lot of us here at the USGA and the RNA have started to play by them and then encouraged officials to, to continue to test them out um, and, and give us that feedback even, even at this point in the process. Um, but formally on a national kind of international stage, really the first time we're going to see people play under the, uh, under the new rules is going to be when, when they take effect on January 1st. And again, a lot of that had to do with the fact that we just did not want to create confusion around, you know, which rules were in effect. Um, to your point earlier, you get a lot of information out there about the new rules and then people start playing by them, but they're not in effect yet. You can create, um, some issues there. So, um, you know, it's, 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 that's where we're at. It's a, you could argue it may be a little bit risky that we haven't had a, a big event like that yet, but uh, that's sort of the philosophy behind why we why we haven't conducted an event like that. Yeah. It, it seems to me, Jay, you can probably confirm this. It's going to be hard to ever get a set of golf rules that are perfect. The game has so many complexities that other games don't have, just by the nature of the playing field, the lack of straight line boundaries the sorts of issues that come up in golf that would never come up in other sports. I mean, you can see it's quite straightforward to write the rules of tennis. There's the playing surface. There are the boundary lines. We've only really got to decide whether on the line is in or out. Uh, beyond that, it's pretty straightforward. It, it, these sets, whilst we've sort of simplified the rules, people say, oh, it should, should be much easier. You should be able to get a drop out of a divot. You should be able to do this. You should be able to do that. Everyone's got an idea about the rules, but it, it's kind of impossible, isn't it, to get a perfect set of golf rules simply because of the nature of the game, which is part of its great attraction, is that it's so much different to other sports. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, you, you said it. Every playing field... Um, each passing day, each tournament uh, that we have in this game is is different, and so to write a set of rules to to make sure those those rules and work for each of those playing fields with with different um, you know different different levels of play and different um, different types of competitions, it's it's not easy to do. I think that the balance that we've had to try to try to make or create with this whole process um, it, it comes down to a couple of key key pillars, right? If you if we, we've used these three words uh, internally throughout this whole process. You know, this uh, this idea of complexity versus simplicity. Uh, you know, fairness and, and consistency. So those three things are are you know, when you give a little bit on consistency or you give a little bit on uh, complexity, you know, the rules might become a little bit more unfair. Or if you want to make the rules completely fair, then they might actually become more complex. More complex so it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very hard to kind of hit all three, yeah. but that's, that's our goal throughout this process to actually make sure that we're, we're making them as consistent, as simple, as fair as we can. Um, and you do have to make some compromises here and there but in order to, 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 to write a set of rules that work across, across the board. Yeah. You must get it all the time, Joe. Uh, amateur, or particularly new golfers who wade into the game, look at the rules and go, this is ridiculous. There's got to be a better way. And they would no doubt let you know all of the ways it could be better. 
why isn't it as simple as people, particularly who are new to the game, think? Is it for those reasons we just discussed? Because situations come up that you can't imagine and you make a ruling on and then that ruling gets used in a different situation where the outcome is not at all what you wanted or expected. That's the danger, isn't it? Totally. And I think what we realized too without, throughout this process is that we've uh, you know, it, it was actually fairly simple to, to look at each rule and think about the best outcome we would have for that specific rule. The hard part was, you know, once we did a kind of a deep dive against each rule, how do we actually fit this all back together once we've gotten the outcomes we wanted? It, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And, and we realized throughout the, you know, throughout the process that there was, there were times where we actually could, it actually didn't work out where there was a rule where we wanted it to be a certain outcome and collectively as a group and, and even, you know, beyond the group, we wanted an outcome to be a certain way, but just couldn't, couldn't make it happen with the way, um, you know, with the implications that would come from that specific change. So, um, no, you're totally right. And that's the, just the, the fine line that we sort of had to toe throughout the, throughout the last, uh, you know, five, six years when, when we've gone through this. Do you get tired of those emails? Be honest, Joe, the bloke that writes to you every other week tells you how you could do it better. <laughs> You must get tired of those being told. <laughs> uh, you know, look, they, they make it, it makes us better. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we realize that, you know, that there's, you know, the rules will never, never be quote unquote crowdsourced, right? We're, it's not, we're, we're not claiming that this is going to be a democratic process in, in the way we rewrite and govern the game. That just wouldn't work. But all that feedback, um, you know, both during the feedback period that we had in this process and just, you know, generally speaking, we we've been getting feedback from people for years on the rules. It has been has been crucial to helping um, the, the process get to where it is now. Indeed, you've had forty minutes to prepare for it, Joe. I'm going to see if Clates has got any questions for you. I think he probably does. Clates, did you have a question for Joe about anything in particular? Oh no, I just um, how do you? What's the new rule about caddies lining players up? They just can't ever go behind them in the process of hitting a shot. Is that how it's going to work? So yeah, when, when a caddy is going to get, or, excuse me, when a player is getting ready and really preparing for the shot, once they start to to go into their stance, once they once they move into that process of taking their stance, we're gonna we're we're gonna basically require the caddy to not be on that that line directly behind the ball, um, between the ball kind of the, the line that's created between the the hole, the ball, and then where the caddy would stand. Um, ba- basically, our, our thought here is that uh, you know part of the 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 challenge of the game and, and what should be a part of the challenge of the game is that the player is going to align himself or herself uh, up to the ball and should do it on her own uh, or his own. Um, and uh, th- that's, that's really the philosophy behind that. So yeah, that, that will be something that uh, will no longer be uh, uh, an option for a player when, when they're getting ready for their shot. Did you bring in that rule largely because of what you see on the LPGA tour? Uh, well, look, I mean, it's most prominent there. Um, I think by recent reaction, uh, you know, even in the last few weeks, um, LPGA players have sort of admitted that it's it's really more of a trigger for them. It's more of a, a comfort uh, that they that they have uh, on the golf course and, and use it for. But they don't um, they don't really need it in order to, to, to actually line up. They they often just do it on their own and, and are, are just really trusting themselves to, to do it. Um, so. 
Um, certainly, you know, it, it's more prominent and evident there, but it's, it's, a, it's a change that we thought was necessary kind of across the game, regardless of, of who's doing it or, or, or when they're doing it. You're getting the caddies yeah, off. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think a great rule. Most of us agree it's a great rule. Well, and yeah. you're getting the caddies off the hook there too, Joe. How many of them must get blamed for incorrect aiming under the current system of rules? So they'll be more than <laughs> – what, what's the saying, Clates? If it misses left or right, it's the, co- uh, the coach's fault. Short or long, it's the caddy's fault. That's how, that's how professional yeah. golf works. The only person yeah, never to blame. Did you have a question about backstopping, Clates? You seemed to suggest before that you might. Put Joe on the spot here because I've got a broader question well, about that that I'd like to ask after. Well, it came up last or this year you know, on Twitter. Mm. But I was at the Australian Open last week, Joe, actually talking to the captain of the RNA at the time. When <laughs> Lucky fellow he was, half an hour with Clates yeah. in his ear, yeah. When two players, Brant Snedeker and Adam Lahiri, were in the left-hand bunker at the fourth hole. Snedeker hit it out to no more than a foot from the hole, dead pin high left, got out of the bunker and stood on the side of the green while Lahiri, in no particular hurry, it wasn't like it happened quickly, played his bunker shot. Two holes later, playing with, they were playing with Cameron Smith. He pitched into the sixth hole from 90 yards away, 20 feet short. And one of the other two asked him to go and mark his ball. So clearly the excuse that it's a slow play issue is a crock. And I wonder how you address this insidious piece of what I consider cheating. Because it's, mm. it's, a, it's a very blurred line between collusion and, I mean, clearly it's now unsaid collusion and silent, silent collusion because, you know, I was discussing it with Wayne Grady, who PJ champion, who he goes crazy about it. He was going crazy about it on TV. On TV, that's else. right, yeah. <laughs> it's very public. So, so how do you deal with this generation's feeling of entitlement to be able to use another player's ball to help each other. <laughs> it's a loaded question, question there, Jay. <laughs> loaded question for you to consider. I, I mean, look, I, I'm afraid I'm going to give you the political answer, so I'm just going to frame it up that way. But I, but, but what I would say is the hardest part about this is that, and, and you sort of hit, it, hit, on the, hit on it there at the end, is that, you, you know, it's very difficult to prove sort of collusion. And it's also, um, you know, the way the rules are written, you know, unless there's that agreement that takes place, you can't apply a penalty. And so, you know, the way the rules are written now, they, they really presume that, that a player is being honest, uh, and, and that, you know, there's integrity sort of expected throughout the rules until you can prove otherwise, it's very hard to, to quote unquote, ding a player or or get a player on on this specific instant. Just let me interrupt. Shouldn't the be, well, I I understand you can't do this, but, Shouldn't the, why wouldn't you put a line in the rule book? I'm, I, I know you can't, but it says, would you do this in the Ryder Cup? <laughs> Here's a classic <laughs> case. Clates is yeah. the bloke that's been well, emailing you about how simple it is to fix the rules, Joe. That sounds simple, uh, doesn't it? Doesn't it? But <laughs> Well, the, the challenge too here is that, you know, oftentimes, and, and look, I know there's, there's been a lot of cases and, and very, um, you know, public cases of, of, you know, clear times where a player should, should have gone up and, and marked the ball. But there are also plenty of times too where, you're not right, quite sure, right? If someone is trying to save time and doesn't really want to go all the way up there to mark their ball, the advantage that that player is really gaining, the chance of that ball actually striking the ball is pretty minimal. You, you may have a, a situation where the player is just far enough away where he's not going to um, you know, make, you know, make the other player wait for him to walk you know, the, the 60, 90 seconds to, to go up and mark the ball and then, and then walk off to the side. Again, there are some times where it's very clear where the player should be marking the ball, but it's just hard to write a rule when there's, there's a lot of this 
gray area when it comes to some other instances and you, you, where you're just not quite sure when a player should be going to, to mark the ball. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, in, in, in the instance of Snedeker and Lahiri, there was no gray area. And, and this is the, yeah. I mean, my point to Chris Hilton, the RNA captain, was this has only ever happened in this generation. It's never happened before. We always, in fact, it's over 20 years, we always marked the ball in that situation, always. It was never left there. Two questions um, from that. What did Chris have to say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he said, "Well, you know, how do you apply it?" I how said, do you apply well, it? How do you prove the it? Right, a cup stand. Here's the here's the question, Clates. I think for you and Shaq, I'll ask you whether Clates should be doing this. Is it not really? Is that not uh, for the players themselves to please? Should not the veteran players be insisting that younger players get into the same habit that veteran players, it would seem, have? It's, it only seems to be older players, Shaq, who bring this up and are vocal about this stuff. Should they not be the ones educating younger players or do younger players just not listen? Uh, I, I think there are just too many layers and dynamics that make this uh, more complicated than we realise. And, mm-hmm. and there, I think it, it needs to... I think this is a tough one for other players to police. That's why I, I have been frustrated that the tours and the governing bodies have not um, taken a, a harder stance on calling this out and putting an end to it be, because it's going to uh, do one of two things. Either fans are going to be start to wonder if there is some sort of silent collusion on other uh, rules of golf, and I think a strong case could be made that we'll be tapping spike marks in 2019 because – uh, players just uh, were totally bending the rule on on repairing ball marks um, that were actually just a blemish they wanted to repair. Um, but I just I just think it's there in the position, uh, more importantly, to to do this that it puts another player in an awkward position to um, to be calling this out. Uh, but my bigger concern. Uh, in what Clates is bringing up is is that if they are going to bend the rules this way, uh, what would be next? There there will be something next, and that's why I feel like that it, it was up to the rule makers to uh, put their foot down on this. And and so I think uh, I so I won't have a lot of sympathy when um, that next thing happens, and it's it's scandalous and embarrassing for the sport because they've had every opportunity to say, hey guys, cut it out. This is this is this is absurd, and I know there have been walking officials um, at, at tournaments who have pulled a player aside and tried to educate them, and and PGA Tour officials in the score scoring ten asking questions and 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 having players just just uh, be in shock that this was something that was uh, seen by other people as not uh, not not kosher. Not kosher. So. I think it just it's just one of those things where letting it fester is going to be a a, a mistake and and uh, I think it's too bad. Uh, I'd like to uh, get to the to a big big rule change um, rod if you don't mind of with course. Joe. I think that that I've been hearing and I I don't understand the complaints that I've heard. Uh, my complaint with it is that it's just just pure unadulterated bifurcation of the rules which we've been told for so long was a very horrible thing and, and that the sun wouldn't rise in the east if we ever bifurcated. <laughs> Did but anybody really say Joe, that, Shaq? Did anyone say the sun wouldn't rise if we bifurcated? Oh, Sorry. <laughs> gosh, you just get it all the time on this equipment stuff. It gets old. But anyway, so, Joe, in, in, the, in the new rule uh, rules, we have uh, a change for, uh, in the name of pace of play and for the, the uh, daily average club and course golfer 
on uh, balls lost or out of bounds. Um, so it's an alternative to stroke and distance. Could you just take us uh, uh, through this and 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 how it is different for them? But but it's it will not be part of elite tournament golf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up, Jeff, because it, it is one of those changes that, you know, it is it's going to create a little bit of a distinction between a, a competition that has it, you know, in play uh, as a local rule um, versus one that one that's not using it, which will um, be those more elite competitions. It, as you said, it's it's primary function is to uh, to really help pace of play. You think about, again, those those average uh, daily rounds of golf, but especially at public courses where. You know, players have lost the ball or, or lose a ball out there or, or it goes out of bounds and, and they're sort of stuck looking around like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, are you expecting me to go back to the tee? There's a group that's teeing off six minutes from now. Uh, they're going to see me walking back and they're going to be yelling and screaming when I get back to the tee. I'm just trying to play under the rules. Is that what you want me to do? Um, th- this rule is, is really to help that scenario where Look, if you've played a provisional ball down there, then, then that's the option you have to use. But if you haven't um, and you've just you know, forgot to play one or you maybe expected to find your ball but just can't, let's, let's get away for a player in that situation to get a ball back on the golf course and to keep playing. And really, let's start meeting kind of the, the, the game where it's at in that you know, players are already doing this, right? Golfers out there on the weekends are – you know, when they don't find their ball, they're not going back to the tee. They're they're dropping and they're they're playing on. Let's let's allow the rules in some way to to support uh, the way that many are are playing it, especially at a recreational level. So, um, just just to go into a little bit more of the detail around the rule, uh, basically, you, you know, if you don't find your ball, you, you'll be you, you really estimate where that ball should have been. Um, you can walk over to the fairway. Uh, drop a ball, um, you know, in the, you know, within two club lengths of the nearest fairway point uh, to where you estimated your ball to be, or to where it was out of bounds, um, and, and drop a ball. It's a, it's penal. I mean, it's a two-stroke penalty. Um, but, but again, you're you're not having to go backwards. You're able to just go right. forwards. You know, drop your ball and keep on playing. So. Wait, what happened? Okay, so now, but wasn't there a diagram, as I recall, where there was sort of a triangular? concept where you took the the and so that that is not now part of the well let let me clarify this so that that, what i just described was was what like what what someone will likely do i I mean right they're going to probably want (laughs) to play out of the fairway (laughs) yeah um but but the triangle that you're talking about uh is basically you know where you've estimated your ball to be you know walk over to the fairway um that's sort of the other side of it right so you know, the point where you estimate your ball to be, and then that point on the fairway, anything, you know, be, behind that point, you can really drop in, in that area oh. that you've sort of created. So estimate um, the ball to be, not where it crossed? Is that the... Well, for, for out-of-bounds, it'll be where it crossed. Where it crossed. Um, okay. But for, 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 for ball lost, just in the general where area, it it'll be, be, you know, just estimated where yeah. it's This is be. probably the other controversial one, isn't it? I know this has been a, a huge controversy at our club, mostly because of misunderstanding. People have read that and said, that's the new rule, and here's all the reasons why mm-hmm. I disagree with it. It's up to clubs, is it not, to individually decide whether they want to play under that rule, and more importantly, as I understand it, could you not have a different rule, the local rule in play for some holes but not necessarily others? Is that a possibility? with that one 
Uh, we would just recommend it with this look, local rule specifically that you would either have it in play or, oh, wow. or, or not in play right. for the whole whole you know whole day or tournament or or even just as you said at the course. Really, courses are going to make this decision on an individual basis. Um, I I really think that most clubs, speaking you know for for um, United States from from what we've heard from clubs and state and regional associations, most clubs are going to implement it and use it. Um, but uh, so it'll be pretty consistent at that sort of club play mm-hmm. level. Um, but the question will come into play is, you know, at that club championship or maybe at um, one of the more prominent, you know, local uh, events, the question will be whether or not that, that committee has put it in the, into play. And just like any other local rule, you'd have to just confirm that with, with the committee before you, before you, before you keep it up. Yeah. Interesting that you say most clubs you think will adopt it in America. I know at our club it's been so controversial it's going to be too hard. In fact, it doesn't work at our club because there's some blind places where the ball could go OB, so it's not particularly effective. But, yeah, at our own club, I think just what? through simple... They ruled out the, the lost ball part too? Uh, well, I'm not sure that anybody That's what I think. I think that part people will really, really like. In fact, I'd love to see, I'd love to see the lost ball component be used in tournament golf because it so rarely happens but when it does it would be high profile and it would move things along and it would still be a yeah anyway i i I think that's going to be an interesting one to see how it when when we start actually seeing golf play this way, Joe, you were going to say something. That's all part of Jeff. What I wanted to ask Joe about next, and oh. it's a bigger it's a bigger picture. Now there are a couple of B words at play here, Joe. One's the ball, which I don't want to ask you about necessarily because I don't think that's necessarily under your your area. Now we clearly think the ball goes too far, but the 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 solution amongst us here on the panel and most others is the notion of bifurcation: two separate sets of rules for professional and amateur golf. The USGA and the RNA have been staunch in saying bifurcation is not an option, that the whole game should play under one set of rules. Why are the authorities so wedded to the notion of bifurcation for all the rules, not just for uh, – oh, sorry, same rules. So uh, why do they oppose the notion of bifurcation for all the rules, not just the equipment? Why is that? Mm-hmm. We, we think and we believe really collectively, RNA, USJ, that, that what makes golf um, you know, such a strong game – uh, one of the reasons it's it's a strong game is that you know whether you're teeing it up on you know on a Saturday morning with your friends or you're teeing it up in the U.S. Open, you you are you are playing by the same set of rules. You you aren't needing to remember or think about or actually follow up with a, a committee or group um, to find out what uh, you know what set of rules you're playing by for the day. There is one single set of rules for the game. We think it's it's a strong message. We think it's also easier for the golfer because the golfer doesn't need to remember. We, we know this can be a complex set of rules, right? But when you only have one set of rules for the golfer, it, it makes it easier for, for that golfer to, to understand how he or she should be governing their game, you know, you know, on their own. Sometimes, sometimes you are on your own when you're, when you're, uh, when you're having to apply the, apply the rules. So um, it, I will say that on the distance front, not to get too too deep into it, because as you said, it, it isn't my expertise. But um, you know, we are thinking about ways that the professional game uh, is different uh, than the, the you know the casual or, or average recreational player in the way they play the game in terms of equipment. So um, I will say that everything's on the table when it comes to uh, you know. In t- to solutions around uh, around distance increases in the game, mm-hmm. but as far as the playing rules go, we are we are staunch believers in the fact that it is 
it is easier, it is simpler for, for golfers and officials across the game to know that there is one set of rules no matter where you go and no matter where you play. Mm. So, but, so, so, Joe, uh, with the except, I mean, the, the game, you could argue, is bifurcated in the sense that pros have to play the same make of ball. So versus, versus amateurs who can play with 18 different balls if they like. Mm-hmm. So, can we think of any other instances aside from that where the game is bifurcated between pros and amateurs, or is that just the only case? Grandstands, tournament play when you have grandstands and temporary yeah, guess, instructions yeah. that do all of those things are uh, clear. Then, yeah. and and informally, clearly, the equipment that professionals have access to, much of it is actually not available at retail. And the ball is certainly one of those. Is it not, Shaq? There are several tour players who use golf balls that are on the approved list but not available at retail. So effective bifurcation has has been in place for a long time. Uh, Until recently, the sorts of club fitting that people can now pay to go and have was not available to the general public in any way, but it was most certainly available to the high-profile touring professionals. So I guess the broader question is, Joe, is is it's clear that this is going to keep happening, whether the, the requirements of professional golf and amateur golf and those rules and how they work for both are going to bump up against each other. Is it a topic of discussion at the USA? I think a lot of people who'd like to see the ball roll back, for example, would just like to think that you guys are at least talking about it, perhaps. It feels like this notion that one set of rules and that's all there is is that a forever position, I suppose? Or is there is there... I mean, it's a lot more complicated than the USGA saying we're now having two sets of rules because, of course, the second lot of people who'd be governed by those would need to agree to it being professional golfers. So mm-hmm. there's a whole mess to be dealt with there. But is it a sort of a topic of conversation about whether that does best serve the game? Because certainly the, the disconnect between professional and amateur golf in this era is greater than it has ever been at any other time in history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for, for fear of repeating myself, I think from a playing rules perspective, we're, we're, we're pretty confident that, that that's where we want to be going forward. With the, that the single set of rules for the game is, is, is the way uh, is, is, most, is, is most advantageous for, for collectively for the, for the game as a whole, for golfers, officials, committees. But from the equipment rules perspective, which, which are under, undergoing a separate review, they were not part of this this rules modernization initiative, um, I will I will say that that we are considering all those different options um, when it comes to you know the B word you used before because from an equipment perspective that is the biggest difference between the uh, the average golfer and, and the uh, the professional player and so we're going through the, sort of a feedback period now for for that project the distance insights project and we're we're basically canvassing the game trying to figure out exactly how these distance increases is increases have impacted all the different stakeholders throughout the game. Um, and so in that, you know, discovery phase, we're going to, you know, con- start to consider solutions. And one of them very well could be some of these solutions around changing equipment um, for, for different, uh, for different constituent groups. Mm. That, that is, that is part of the solutioning phase. We're not there quite yet. Um, but, but it's all on the table. I mean, I can say that for sure. Mm. And has there been, have you had a lot of feedback? There's been a lot of talk about, obviously, the distance insight survey and then the survey that yourselves and the RNA released. Has there been strong feedback? Have a lot of people had their input? They have, and I'm not directly involved with that project, but I know that that survey has seen, I believe, over 50,000 responses. Um, and so people are, are engaged. Um, you know, a lot of folks have a lot to say on this topic. Um, so you, you all, you all three are not alone. I was going to say three, three of them are sitting right here, Joe. We've been right. quite vocal. It turns out <laughs> over time. Um, 
but but I, I know that over the next few months we're going to continue to do that. We we're not going to jump to conclusions because you know anytime you make a decision, uh, there's going to be one stakeholder group that will feel a certain way about it, and then another stakeholder group that will feel a different way about it. So a lot of it is about finding the best ways to sort of you know compromise and and find the best solutions. Um, across the game, which isn't easy to do um, when you have all these different stakeholders that are involved. So that'll take some time. Uh, but over the next several months, we'll, we'll continue to do that, that canvassing of the golf community. Mm. Shaq, how does that, uh, how does that look going forward? Sorry, I think you had something there. You go. No, go ahead. Um, how does that look going forward? Because, um, and I think we've discussed this before, it's not as simple as the USGA saying these are the new rules on equipment because the PGA Tour may well say we don't like them. Our players don't like them because their sponsors don't like them. So we're going to make our own rules uh, for equipment. These are the murky issues that whilst we all campaign for a, a bifurcation of the rules, it's not as simple to implement should it happen, is it? It's going to be a negotiated piece, probably involving the manufacturers and the PGA Tour and the European Tour and the governing bodies, yeah? Oh, one would hope. And the uh, the stances of late of the, of the PGA Tour and PGA of America um, – on distance uh, were certainly eye-opening in that I'm not sure they've really, the people who took those stances have thought through how complicated the task is of, of creating the rules of golf and, and, and enforcing them and sculpting them and, and listening to the feedback and doing what people like Joe do and, and trying to, to uh, calculate what, what are the priorities and, and, and then especially when you've gone through this, this uh modernization as they call it or it was really more about simplification and and setting it out i don't know if they've really given that a lot of thought and then you of course enter in all the equations with the um business side and 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 it just is uh it, it's fascinating that they just throw it out there uh so it's, uh, it's usually players who say oh we'll make our own rules and oh yeah um, <laughs> and I, I don't think they realize how much <laughs> if they tried to do it um and then they they injected their their views um how much it could backfire yeah. on them so I nobody in management back. at pga um, tour level has ever said well we'll just make our own rules have they Jack? Uh, nobody yeah. in management there because they know what's actually involved um, in that yes. i don't know i i they've, they've had a bit of a uh, changing of the guard of the players have a, a, a i think a a stronger voice than they've ever had and 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 in a direction that's so different than the than the view of past uh, leadership like like Dean Beeman, it's it's an interesting change, and then Tim Fincham even uh, I think uh, was was more of a, a rules uh, admirer uh, stickler um, than than people probably realized, and uh, lent his support pretty regularly, probably because he, <laughs> he, he as a lawyer he thought through all of the possibilities That's right. and. Uh, <laughs> Well, I want no part of any of that. Make our own rules? Um, I don't think all right, so. so yeah. here's, my, here's my question for Joe. So somebody is, a, is just a, a, a normal golfer, and um, the, the, the new year is, is upon us, and they want to, they, they want to know the basics, um, and they want to be just proficient enough to not make a fool of themselves or to uh, be the smartest person in their group when they, when they tee it up. How do you recommend somebody, um, without having to spend a lot of time, but invest themselves a little bit in the in the modernization of the rules and 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 brush up and be prepared when they when they go to play golf? 
Jeff, it's, it's really three ways that I would say someone should, should get involved. Um, first things first, I would get uh, a player's addition to the rules of golf. Uh, you can hop on usga.org or the RNA's web- website. Uh, and, and it's the first time we've ever done something like that. And so if someone is willing to, to dig in a little bit into the book, um, they, they should find this book a little bit easier to use. The second because thing I would say is, is that, for the decisions that book is no. Well, so we have, we have the, the player's edition, then we have the actual rules of golf, the full oh, rules okay. of golf, and then we have the official guide. Okay. So, um, the player's edition is, is really no, it's, it's the pocket size book, the easiest okay, one for someone to open up. It's a shorter version okay. of the rules. Um, yeah. so that's one way. Uh, the second way I would say would be to download, uh, the, the rules of golf app. Um, uh, again, I think a lot easier to use than, than the app we, uh, we had in the past. Um, and so if you're in the United States, you get the USJ app. If you're outside the United States, you get the RNA app. You just search for rules of golf uh, on your app store and, and you should get that uh, right to your, right to your fingertips. Uh, the last thing I would say is, um, th- there are so many resources uh, on usj.org and rna.org. Um, there's, um, videos, there's infographics. It's, I think constructed in a way where, um, it's, it's pretty easy to work through where if you spend 30 to 60 minutes on usg.org, looking at the videos and infographics, you, you probably will learn about 90 to 95% of the changes in that 30 minute session. Um, we have a quick video on each of the major changes and then some talk and, and then some, you know, quick, quick facts on each reasons for the change, why, you know, how we got to the change. Um, so I think those three things, the players edition, um, rules of golf app and both of our respective websites, uh, would be just a great way to, to at least start learning a lot of this stuff. And like I said, I think, you know, uh, some time on the websites, um, will, will get you almost to where you need to be to at least be dangerous on this topic. Hmm. Well, and, and what is your, I want other than while you were talking, what, what are you most excited about that you feel like will just make uh golf more fun around more fun faster more efficient and and just get something off of the the plate that's been a a pain or a headache i think you know while we don't uh, we, we don't have a, you know crazy extensive changes when it comes to how long it takes to play a shot i think how we've sort of reinforced how important pace of play is to the game in the new rules i think that's what i'm most excited about. So we have a recommendation now to play a stroke within 40 seconds. Now, most of the time you should probably do it quicker than that, but that's now in the rules of golf for the first time. We've mm. never called that out before. Oh. Um, mm. You know, we've re- reduced the search time from five minutes to three minutes. We've basically said in the rules too, that in, in stroke play, um, you know, play ready golf. Uh, as long as you're, you know, playing part of your, your, um, your fellow competitors. Okay. With it. Uh, you know, Play, play ready golf. There's no reason you shouldn't. We've never done that in the rules either. So um, I think as we get closer to, to, you know, January 1st, while, you know, those things might not be highlighted a lot on TV because, you know, they, they you know, the tour has their own pace of play policy. Uh, do they? And not Are all those sure? players might play. Are you sure, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure they do. Sorry, I couldn't resist. That wasn't fair. That's but okay. I no, that's fair. That's fair. I get it. Um, it, it I, I don't think those will be necessarily highlighted because they might not impact the professional game, but I think collectively across the game, those are going to be really cool things to highlight and, and see how that maybe changes a little bit of, be, of behavior across, across the game. Yeah. 
Joe, you've been more than generous with your time, and there's I'm sure you're aware of this, but there's no real winners when you're a rules official because it doesn't matter what you do, somebody's going to disagree with it. So to put yourself out there is very brave, and we appreciate you taking the time. I hope we weren't too hard on you. There's a million more things I'd like to ask you, but we're going to let you go. Thanks for your time today, mate. Thanks so much. Had a great time, guys. And Jeff. Thank you, Joe. Terrific to talk to you. Yeah, and thank you to Clates and to Shaq as well. Thank you, Jeff. It's been uh, good to chat to you today, and uh, I'm sure there's a million other things you could talk to Joe about as well, but we won't believe it at that, and uh, good to catch up today. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to uh, watching all this roll out. It, it is actually going to be interesting, isn't it? And I'm sure, Clates, you too will be watching it roll out and wondering why the hell they didn't get to the rules that you're interested in and change those. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll still continue to enjoy golf. And I'll look forward to your company at the World Cup this week. That's going to be fantastic, isn't it? A good bit of fun. It will be good, yeah. It's, the course looks fantastic and the weather is going to be not too hot. So, Shaq, you should be here. You should be here, Shaq. We could all have sat in the same room and grilled Joe. That would have been uh, good fun. Is there a bad lie to be had at Metro? Clates, there isn't normally. I can't imagine there's going to be anything like it. Well, we have seen a course in this sort of condition in the last few years. It's extraordinary down there, isn't it? Fantastic stuff. There there are no bad lies. You only hope that someone can find a Sandfield divot just once to have to deal with something (laughs) out of the ordinary. Oh, and boy, Joe got off easy today. We We didn't even bring that up. Oh, that's not controversial, is it? Get on with it. That's oh, the... gosh. It's just never-ending with people. But you're not on, uh, the, you're not on the get a drop from the Sandfield divot, are you, Shaq? You're not no, the... I'm not, but it always no. amazes me how much that's uh, – of the things that I hear people say in the new the, – the modernization that I can't believe they didn't address divots. I just think, oh, dear. Uh, the people who people like Joe, uh, they, they have to they, – I, I wouldn't have the patience that they simple, have to – to, as soon as you explain to me when it stops being a divot, lies. then we we'll, then we can have a rule about it. Sand in there and move along. Move along. Put it back in your stance, as Greg Norman once said, or was it Fred Couples? Yeah, put no, it, Fred Couples. Freddie Couples. Greg, yeah, put yeah. It, put it back in your stance put and punch it, mate. Stance, you got your name on your bag. We've all got our names on our bags. <laughs> Enough <good>. of that. <laughs> That's all good fun, Clates. I'll see you down there. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Shaq. Episode eighty-five of State of the Game in the books. We'll be back to do it all again on a, four, a somewhat more regular schedule. Hopefully, That's what we're aiming for here on State of the Game. State of the Game is a Talk and Golf production. Theme music, Writer's Retreat, provided by Lloyd Cole. Visit www.lloydcole.com for more information. For more golf podcasts, log on to www.talkandgolf.com.